There's three key questions business owners must ask themselves to find out if they're facing a funding gap. First, what support will I lose and has my business got the cash available to replace it? Second, what payments will I have to start making that I'm not making now? And finally, do I have pressing creditors ready to take action against me once they're able to? If your business is not viable, it's better to know early so you can source the appropriate professional advice. At Scott Pack, we've been helping SMEs with funding options that don't rely on using the family home as security. We encourage business owners and their advisors to download the Business Funding Guide, which outlines all the major SME funding options and what scenarios they suit. We developed it with the Small Business Ombudsman and you'll find the link on our website, scottishpacific.com. Hi everyone, welcome to the latest episode of our Small Business First podcast. I'm Lucy Kippis, the editor of Flying Solo. Ahead of our intro music was Wayne Smith, the Group Executive Client Acquisition for Scottish Pacific, sharing his advice for small business owners ahead of September's changes to the JobKeeper scheme. Later in this episode, I'll be speaking to Scottish Pacific CEO Peter Langham and Tony Cohen, a senior chartered accountant, about accessing funding for your business during COVID. But first, we're joined by Cess Busby, editor of Koshi's Business Builders, for a small business news wrap of the week. Welcome, Cess. Hi, thanks, Lucy. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to speak with you. What are the top headlines that we need to be worried about this week? Uh, it's a little bit of bad news for anyone that's hoping for a raise that works in a small business because um, the ACA has released the data from its latest COVID SME research tracker and it says that small businesses expect that salaries are going to remain frozen for at least the next 12 months. Now, that's not because um, small businesses are scrooges, it's because everyone's had a massive decline in business. 67% of business owners have seen a decline in the last um, the last couple of months. But there's a bit of a silver lining because 32% have actually returned to pre-COVID levels. So there is, a, you know, a bit of a rainbow, a bit of a, a pot of gold on the other side of the horrible murky weather um but for the most part a lot are still doing it really tough is that 32 percent a national figure yeah that is so that is good news (laughs) victoria though it's quite bad news still and 41 percent of victorian businesses are expecting to continue to decline over the next month while those lockdown restrictions are in place so i'd say there's probably small wins in the in the state of Victoria compared to the rest of the country but some good news for at least a third of our small businesses saying that their their revenues gone back to what it was before COVID I think a lot of that also is to do with the massive rise in online sales so many businesses that have been able to pivot to online are really reaping the benefit because everyone's doing a lot of their shopping online these days Mm -hmm. that's great news Next, we've got some data that's come out from Clean Core, who are one of the major uh, businesses that are involved in, you know, if a business gets shut down because of COVID, they come in and do those deep cleans and make sure everything's safe again. They've had some data come through just from their own survey stuff, which says that one in three Australians are worried that their employers haven't put in place proper COVID safety plans. And the employees that are most concerned are the ones that are in 
small businesses because they think that um, even if there is a policy in place that businesses are being a bit lax about actually following through. So, um, you know, touch points and surfaces, they're not maintaining like that it's they there's a bit of a fear that it's more lip service rather than actual action. <laughs> um, yeah, and 46% of them um, are really worried about touch points and, you know, door handles, anywhere like kitchen surfaces, anywhere like that where there's a lot of traffic and the more employees there are, the more concerned the employee seems to be. Like the more staff that a business has, the the greater concern employees have in that their workplace is going to be safe. So I would just reiterate for small businesses that they should hop onto the government's websites. There's uh, Each state has different COVID safe plans. If you go to New South Wales Gov's website, for example, you'll be able to uh, look up a COVID safe plan. They're all broken down by industry because the, the different industries have different um, things that they need to do. And just check that you're ticking all the boxes. And if you're a business that actually has to lodge a plan, like hospitality business, et cetera, that need to have one to be able to operate, make sure that you've done that and that you're sticking to the guidelines because people are concerned about their health and safety. Yes, excellent point there. And the last story is some good news for anyone in New South Wales or Victoria, well, actually in New South Wales, isn't it, basically, who are impacted by the Victorian border close. Yeah, yeah, for those border towns, so places like um, Aubrey-Wodonga, Achukamawama, those kind of border towns that have been really suffering from the border restrictions that came into place in the early part of July. The New South Wales government has... Um, thrown out a bit of a lifeline. They're injecting $45 million in funding to small business owners that have been hurt by those border closures. Mm -hmm. And the Premier said that she knows um, that those towns are really doing it a little bit tough. So they're offering targeted relief to help ease some of that pressure. There's going to be two different tiers of grants. One is um, $5,000. The other one is $10,000. And businesses need to show declining turnover, obviously, to be eligible for the grants. I think it's 30% decline since July for the 5K. And then I think it's a quite hefty 75% if you want to apply for the 10K. Wow. So let's hope not that many businesses have gone that far down the, down the road in just a month or so. But um, anyway, that's a bit of relief for those businesses. It's for businesses with 20 employees or less. They're eligible to apply for either the 5 or 10K grant. And sole traders are also eligible, but only for the 5K fund injection. And they open on the 8th of September and you just apply through Service New South Wales. That's a bit of good news for those border towns. That's great. Cess, thank you so much. Always very informative. Thank you. Thanks for having me. See you. COVID has forced thousands of small business owners to do an about turn when it comes to future planning. And for many, this includes looking at different ways to fund a business. With JobKeeper phasing out and other government programs too, whether it's in October, March or beyond, small business owners will have to secure funds to pay wages, buy supplies and pay the ATO or other debts. Given business uncertainty, it's no wonder business owners don't want to increase their loans or put the family home at risk. 
many small business owners aren't actually aware that there are other assets apart from the family home they can use to fund their business, assets that already exist. Peter Langham, the CEO of Scottish Pacific, and Tony Cohen, a senior chartered accountant, join me today to talk through the steps we need to take to get this kind of planning underway. Welcome, Peter and Tony, to Small Business First. Thank you, Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Peter, I'd like to start with some questions for you. What assets might be hidden in a business that can be used to secure funding? Lucy, it it always staggers me. At Scottish Pacific, we've been funding SMEs, business owners, for well over 30 years now, using the assets of the business as security to do that. And the number of times I talk to our clients and they say, gosh, I didn't know we could do this. I didn't know we could borrow money against our outstanding invoices or I could borrow money against this piece of plant and equipment I've got on the floor. So I think people need to be aware that there are assets within a business that companies like Scott Pack will advance funds against or provide rolling facilities just like an overdraft secured against outstanding invoices, the debtors, the receivables, whatever people like to call it, or plants on the floor uh, or even inventory. Um, and, and people need to look at those assets just like they would look at a building and say, I can borrow money against that building. And in some cases, it might be up to 80% of the asset value. In some cases, it may be lower. But it's that asset that's sitting there almost unforgotten that can be used to secure, secure some funding. And what would you say is the advantage of funding this way? Uh, I think the main thing is to um, keep the family home out of the security. That's certainly um, far too common in, in Australia. Um, but I think the other thing is it, it's a flexible facility. If you think about borrowing money secured against your receivables or having a working capital facility with this receivables as the collateral, if your business increases and your sales increase, the value of those receivables increase. So you can increase your working capital in line with the growth of the business. Um, I've seen a lot of businesses that go to the bank, they borrow 250,000 secured against the home um, or a fixed piece of plant. Um, Then the business grows and they go back to the bank and say, can I borrow more money? And they say, well, no, because you're growing too quickly or that asset hasn't increased in value at the same rate the business has. So it provides that flexibility uh, around the, the value of the assets that usually grow in line with the business. Okay. And what should business owners be looking for when they want funds for their business? Um, I think pick the right funder. Um, they're, they're, the business owners are time poor and sometimes they're looking for funding and they'll take the quickest option or the quickest yes. Um, but you can get into trouble if you don't match the funding with what you, you know, the security you're using and why you want to use it. So the most important thing is to make sure you've got the right type of funding and the right funder. Um, you know, again, if you, a lot of funders, banks especially, will say, yeah, we'll lend you money against this, these assets, but you have to make this much profit each year or your interest ratio covenant needs to be this. And if you haven't got those levels of certainty, then you can get yourself into a pickle. Whereas someone like Scottish Pacific and others, they'll say, right, we're lending you money against those assets, 
and we'll stay with you through the life of your business, through your ups and downs, because we know we sec you're secure. So we're less interested in the interest ratio covenants or interest cover covenants and, and less interested in the, the current performance of the business, more about how we can help you using those assets. So making sure you've got the right funder with the right security. Now, I understand that um, Scott Pack worked together with Kate Carnell's office um, to create a business funding guide. Now, that was created to help small business owners and their um, advisors understand different ways to fund a business. Are you able to tell us a bit more about that guide? Uh, certainly. It's something we, you know, as I say, we've been working with business owners for a very long time. Uh, I started my own business and you just know how, difficult it is to spend enough time researching all the options out there. Um, and so putting this guide together, it's a great tool for advisors, accountants, finance brokers, or even business owners to go, well, these are all the options out there in the market for us. Um, but it's, it's, it's a great tool, I think, for accountants. Uh, Having training in accounting for many years, I know the importance that accountants have and the influence they have on business owners. Um, so the guide is a great tool to have the accountant share that with the business owner to say, hey, these are the options for you. Yeah, great. And like you've touched there that obviously accountants are incredibly important to small business owners. Um, what do you think it is about their role that's important when it comes to small business owners understanding funding and cash flow? I, I think it's imperative that a business owner reaches out to their accountant uh, and asks for advice uh, around funding or a lot of business advice um, because, as I said before, these owners are time poor. But they're also, you know, they keep an awful lot to their chest. So for me... Uh, I get frustrated with our clients that don't reach out enough to their accountant. And uh, I'm happily seeing more and more accountants reaching out to their clients. And it's less about doing the accounts or the tax and more about how can we help you become more successful? Um, and uh, you know, that's a, a crucial role the accountants play for people who really, really need it. Now, Tony, you are an accountant, which is great, um, which means you've had more of an on-the-ground sort of role amid our COVID climate. What role would you like to see more accountants playing with their small business clients? Well, following on from Peter, I think the role of business advisor is uh, of the utmost importance at the moment. Um, I think there's a saying, you don't know what you don't know. And most businesses are so busy with uh, attending to day-to-day -day issues that they don't have enough time to sit back and have a look at what they actually really want out of their business. Um, do they realise it's one of their most important investments that they'll ever make? And therefore, do they have an idea of whether they want to grow the business, uh, what do they want to do when they do grow the business and so on? And this is where uh, I think accountants can advise uh, uh, their clients on, on that process. And it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't need to be a 100-page term business uh, plan. It can be a very simple one-page plan of this is where I am now, this is where I want to go, and this is how we can get there. And the uh, business advisor and accountant can help them along that path. And how important do you think it is 
to pick funding that assists with your cash flow when you're running a small business? Well, there's a saying that cash is king and, it, and it's very important. And may I just say that cash and cash flow is not the same as profit. Um, if you've got a positive cash flow, uh, cash in from your operations will be greater than cash out through your expenditure. Um, that's your cash flow and positive cash flow, but that doesn't necessarily equate to profit and loss. It's your most important uh, liquid asset that you have on the balance sheet to run your business. And without a positive cash flows, really businesses become insolvent. And not to put too fine a point on it, when you sign your financial statements each year with your accountant, the corporation's law states that you need to sign uh, two or three um, uh, minutes, one of which says, I can pay my bills as and when they fall due. It's your solvency statement. Without cash flow, you don't have that. To grow your business, you've got to choose the right funding so cash flow is available to grow that business. An example could be a bank overdraft, which is allows you to draw down as you need your working capital and assists your cash flow when required. Um, and you can pay it back when you've got surplus cash, so you reduce your overdraft and therefore you only pay your interest on uh, a drawn account. But that also takes time and organisation with a bank and it's mostly suited for businesses that have been in operation for over two or three years. Another example, which I think is more to the point, is uh, invoice or debtor funding. Um, and as Peter said uh, previously, you can access the funding as your business grows and uh, it's a very fluid tool to be able to use. Um, all you have to do is have a good understanding of your outstanding uh, invoices and account or accounts receivable um, and you don't have to use your personal property as security as previously mentioned. And uh, the best... Um, and also a lot of businesses are unwilling to offer property as security. So in, in summary, it's very important to pick the funding that assists with your cash flow. You always need to identify why you need funding and that's where your accountant and business advisor can come in. Mm. So you contributed to the business funding guide. Why do you think it's important? Well, as I said before, you don't know what you don't know. And I think a lot of businesses don't know uh, how the impact of a guide like that can be on their business. I grabbed at the opportunity when asked to contribute because the more information we have out there in the marketplace, the more successful businesses we have. Uh, what they should consider when choosing funding is to make sure that their uh, financial or business financial accounts are in order, um, that they can write or review their business plan and outline their goals and actions. The business plan uh, should be fluid so it can change and reflect the changing circumstances such as we find ourselves in now with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and we also need to review the seven cash drivers um, which will include uh, revenue, operational or direct expenses, overheads, how you manage your debtors, how you manage your creditors and your inventory and of course, your gross profit margin. And you need to review whether you can afford uh, to service your debt should you want to seek for funding. You also need to do a funding fitness check, which um, this guide goes through in great detail. And uh, it's 
basically get your accounts in order, create and update your business plan, as I've just said, create monthly cash flow forecasting uh, and the like. And it will also help you go through and understand the difference between debt and equity and the risks involved with both and the advantages and disadvantages. And to be honest, I don't think I've seen a document written in plain English that explains it so well as this one does. Certainly sounds like an incredibly comprehensive guide. Tony and Peter, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Lucy.